Mental health is a topic which in recent years has come to the forefront of discussion at many businesses for the first time in history, particularly following a global pandemic, which for much of us took a serious toll on our mental health. In 2020 and 2021, work-related stress, depression and anxiety accounted for 50% of all work-related ill health, according to the most recent government figures. And compared to pre-pandemic levels, the rate of self-reported cases of work-related stress, depression and anxiety has only increased. I'm Ruby Hinchliffe, Senior Reporter at FT Advisor. Joining me today to talk more on this, I've got Paul Feeney, CEO of Quilter. Great to have you with us, Paul. Thank you, Ruby, and thank you for having me. No problem at all. Um, I'm really excited to have you on to, to talk about this because I know that you've been quite open about this topic um, in in the past. I think you're the perfect guest to kind of talk about this this issue. And I wanted to sort of open it up more broadly to start off with um, and get your view on, on how the advice and investment sectors currently approach mental health. You know, are firms still en masse just paying lip service to the issue or is meaningful action starting to be taken by businesses? I think action is starting to be taken by businesses now. I mean, it's certainly a lot better than it was, certainly a lot better than when I started in the industry 30 years ago, where you certainly couldn't talk about this at all. But there's a lot more we can do. And if anything, I think this is is getting worse. And the, the pandemic, the um, cost of living crisis, which is, is coming, I think is only going to make it worse. So I think the more that we can do as employers, as um chief executives, managers in the industry, to talk about this, to be open about it, will really break down the walls you know, of, um, of what has been, I think, the, the last great taboo in the city. Sure. And I guess initially I talked more about sort of workplace-related stress, but you're totally right. There are so many different factors that come under mental health. And I think that's probably going to be a, a big kind of challenge for workplaces to how to, to spot all those different points of stress and mm-hmm. causes of, of negative mental health to try and help sort of holistically. I think you sort of hit the nail on the head there of the sort of perfect storm we've got being created. Um, I mean, first, first of all, to ask you, how have your personal experiences impacted your professional career? I mean, I know you said 30 years ago, this wouldn't be something you'd be talking about. So take me through that sort of journey. Yeah. Well, I've been very open that I've suffered from my own mental health issues down the years and, and kept it to myself for very for a long, long time. I didn't feel I could talk about it. Um, I didn't feel that people would understand. And finally, I started talking about it when the pain became greater than the shame, if you will. And um, it really did open up the debate um, not just in my own firm, but uh, but uh, but across the industry. And I think that's where it starts. I think there's a real responsibility on the part of leaders to open up. Now, they may not have suffered themselves, but all of us know people who have. All of us know people who have suffered greatly, some who've taken their own lives as a result of it. And um, whether it's loneliness, um, stress, 90% of all mental health issues are the result of an overload of anxiety and stress. Some are chemical, schizophrenia, but that can also start with um, an overload of stress and anxiety. And it builds up, and it builds up in the body. Um, People don't know how to release it, and they try to use the same thinking which got them into that situation to get them out of it, and it doesn't work. They have to speak to somebody. They have to feel that they can speak and that they will be heard and that they will get help. 
That's really interesting because I think whenever we, we talk about mental health and the different conditions, it's always sort of the resulting condition that's talked about. But I think what you've said is really important. That it's actually the stress that happens before leading up. Right. And what in terms of, you know, spotting that stress and and understanding how to catch it early, what, what are some of the things that you think companies can be thinking about to help kind of counteract that stress converting or transforming into something far less easy to handle on an individual level? I think it does start from the top and I think it's all about culture. It's about a culture of openness. I said at Quilter, um, even when we floated the company four years ago, that I, I want to create an environment where people can thrive, where it's okay not to be okay, where you can you can bring your true and authentic self to work. And I think it starts then with opening up. So I one of the things I did early on was a video called This Is Me. The Lord the Lord Med uh, Appeal did this This Is Me campaign across I think it started in about 2016, 2017, something like that. But um I did a video about it. Now I do videos all the time, but my hands were sweating at this video. And I really opened up about my own mental health issues that I had in the past and the causes of them and how it made me ultra um, sensitive and aware and my, my radar's always on and you could argue in some cases that can ha- be helpful in business but it takes a toll and when I opened up about it I got so many emails messages phone calls letters from my own my own staff some of the most senior people portfolio managers executives um, um, financial planners uh, talked about high, f- talking about high functioning anxiety that they suffer from, depression, um, borderline personality disorder. And we like to, there's lots of labels basically that um, in the mental health arena, but a lot of it is about um, it's about stress and anxiety that has not been released, and the fact that they felt they could then talk about it and open up about it is is really the first stage. Sure. And and I know that, I mean, I watched the video um, and it was a very important video um, and, it, you know, it came across as very sincere, but also at the same time, very, very open. And um, just for the, for the benefit of people who haven't watched it, I know that you sort of went into detail about um, some of the trauma you've been through at a younger age yeah. and then the post-traumatic stress that, that that created for you. And I think taking people on that journey was was a really good way of opening up the conversation. Sometimes it is literally just about talking about what you've been through to make someone else feel feel comfortable. Um I mean and, and you mentioned that people kind of came to you and and shared their stories, which is which is beautiful because, you know, so many of these people might have been carrying that without talking to people about it. Um, and especially you being at a CEO level, I think it does set a really good example. Um, I mean, in terms of, you know, people coming into work and, and like you said, being their true authentic self, um, is there anything you've sort of noticed since doing that video or having put things in place that, you know, where are people feeling that the most in terms of being able to come in with less baggage? Have you mm-hmm. have you noticed that in your workplace? Well, I, I use that very term. It's, you should be able to come to work and put your burden down. You know, you should be able to put your burden down. Um, you can speak to your colleagues, you can put your hand up and say, hey, I'm not having a good day. Um, I need some help. I'm struggling. And you should have, you should be able to get that help. Now, we have Thrive Ambassadors. We have mental health first aiders at Quilter. We work with a company called Spo. We provide... Um, access to professional mental health counselling to all of our employees and all of our advisors. In fact, it's open to the advice to the advice market, and we do that. We do that for free, um, and we do it because we, you know, we know 
it's important. And we also know with, with a large financial planning firm that one of the loneliest jobs can be a financial planner, a financial advisor. You become a a not just a financial advisor to your clients, you're a coach and many in many ways you're a friend. And it's quite a lonely lonely place to be who's helping you so we we try to put that out to to help people um so i think one thing we find is first of all don't try to train we don't try to train our staff to be professional mental health counselors and it's important not to try and do that it's really more important just to be able to spot the signs that's what we mean when we have our mental health um, first aiders. It's really first aid. It's not actually emergency, you know, it's not ER rooms, uh, emergency room stuff. Um, but then to be able to offer and have access to professional mental health counselling for those who really do need it. I think that's that's really important because for a lot of people in their individual lives, it, to, to really push yourself to, to take that step to actually take the help you need is really hard. Um, and, you you know, you can make up all sorts of excuses, can't you? I know I have in the past. Um, but it is, you know, sometimes when you've got another body like your workplace kind of pushing you and, and encouraging you in the right direction, that's mm-hmm. what you need, that just gentle nudge um, to, to take up those services. And I, I think, you know, ultimately everyone benefits from, from a bit of, you know, a bit of help in that way. Um, but it's just making people realise they can access yeah. it. I think yeah. it's a really big thing um, f- for sure. So it's very, very commendable what, what you're doing in your workplace. Um, and I mean, you, you touched on the financial planners and, and certain kinds of jobs being more lonely than others and, and perhaps more susceptible to, to, to more severe mental health issues. Um, you know, obviously with the pandemic, that must have, it must have got even harder with a lot of like remote sort yeah. of um, meetings and things like that, that that must have, I mean, I know I found it quite isolating at times. I'm a very sociable person, so I really struggled with the pandemic. Um, so I really empathise with other people that did. Um, you know, some people are obviously a bit more reclusive, um, and so the pandemic perhaps didn't bother them in that way. But for some people who really rely on that face-to-face, which I'm yeah. sure a lot of financial planners did, um, and advisors, you know, just getting out there and seeing clients was a really big part of, of the social element of the job. Um how I mean, obviously now we're, we're getting back to face to face. But how did you help sort of planners through that period? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what did you hear about what they were saying and their experiences during that period? Yeah, well, one of the things we did at Quilter is we put out. Um, we have a whole online Thrive program, um, which, as I say, is access to mental health counselling. There's podcasts, there's webinars, there's everything about dealing with loneliness, um, reaching out, getting. Um, um, support and we put all the, we we did it initially for our own staff and, and financial advice but then we put it out to the entire financial advice market um, just because we know we knew that this is you know a very difficult time for them um, and we also know that loneliness is is a big trigger of mental health issues and then once you pile on once you on, put on top of the, the sense of loneliness you put on that the sense of of a fear factor during the pandemic and also now with the you know cost of living uh, rising that's that's also adding to that then um just letting people know it's okay we're all in this together a great way of reducing mental health um issues reducing mental health and mental anxiety is to know you're not alone that others are feeling this too and that you can have there are support groups um and the you you can talk about it you can reach out and realize okay so it's not just me you know, others are feeling this too, and I can talk about it in the workplace or I can get the help I need. Um, and often stave off those moments 
where you go through very dark times. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, you know, the, there has been a lot done in terms of campaigns and advertising and stuff to make people feel less alone. But the way the human brain works, it's really hard, even with all of that around you, to, to still feel like you're not alone. Mm. So I think that is always going to be a challenge to, to make people yeah. feel like they can speak out whenever they, they need to. Um, I mean, and you touched on the, the cost of living crisis again, and I think it's probably important to talk a little bit about, you know, this obvious link between money and mental health. Um, I mean, what in your eyes, are some of the most important things sort of advisors and financial planners should be looking at when when making this link, you know, when helping clients? Because <clears throat> I'm sure this is going to be a topic, you know, over the over the coming years to try and mm-hmm. kind of balance um, with, with all these sort of macroeconomic trends mm-hmm. going on. Well, I think there is a real link between financial health and mental health. Um, people often can feel that they are going to run out of money, that they're not going to have enough money, that they won't be able to live the lives they were hoping to live, that they won't be able to meet the commitments and responsibilities they have. And it's a real fear. Now, a a financial advisor fundamentally is is a plan to help people, not just with their investment and wealth planning, but also budgeting, cash flow, understanding that here's some things that you can do that will actually ease the stranger in this period of time. And actually, the more that you can see for yourself a financial path, um, the more that it can actually reduce the anxiety you have um, and the stress um, that this particular time is, is placing upon you. So I think it's not just a financial advice role that many of our financial advisors, the financial advice community has. It's also it's also a role which helps people reduce um, mental health issues, um, reduce anxiety, reduce stress, because you can see that, you know what, I think I'm going to be okay. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough, but I think I can be, an, I can be okay. Because f- all fear is of the future. All fear is of the future. And often, often it can be, if you've had, particularly if you've had trauma in the past or you're feeling loneliness, um, then that is compounded by this fear of the future. And I think financial advisors have a great role to play in, hel- in helping to reduce that anxiety by showing people a path to financial wellness. Sure, because, I mean, I think you're, you're totally right there. And, and, and money is a big cause of, of stress. And I think people can get very obsessive about money and you know it's not necessarily a cause of stress if you have money um versus if you if you don't sometimes it can really be a point of obsession for people especially in a time where where perhaps things you know investments aren't performing as well it is it can be something that you it just causes you so much stress and and it it kind of taps into that control as well that people want to have control over their lives don't they and when these sort of big things happen you know such as a living cost crisis it it kind of takes some of that control away and I think Mm. money then becomes an obsession for some people so Mm. I guess that's something that that advisors will have to work with clients um about and I think you touched Mm. some some great things there um I mean what what about employers I mean you know we've obviously the advice world is very very diverse right you've got one yeah. man, one two man bands and then you've got you know huge advice firms um and i know i know obviously you have some of your own advisors and so 
what can sort of, I mean, I guess it might be a different answer depending on whether the employer is big or small. Um, so feel free to give different different answers. But what do you think they can do to, to make the, this topic less taboo? I know you talked a lot about Quilter, but it'd be good to sort of what, what do you think other companies could be doing? Well, it's interesting you mentioned um, smaller firms as well as large firms. I won't mention the names, but I was talking to two principals of one of our financial um of a financial planning firm within uh, the the Quilter Network, literally last week. Um, Tremendous um, gentlemen who have been very courageous in talking about their own mental health issues and placing that out there. And um, they don't have tremendous resources to to play, but they, everything that I spoke to them about came, came across as just basically caring, caring about their customers, caring about their employees. They spoke to me about one of their employees particularly, which we're, we're trying to give some extra support to. Um, so I think, it, I think, honestly, it doesn't matter whether you're big, whether you're small. Often people will say, well, it's just me or there's only a couple of us. There's not much. I can't really make a difference. And the truth is you can make a difference. You can make a difference simply by speaking up. By, you know, um, very, I think still, you started off... Um, Ruby, by talking about uh, uh, is the industry paying lip service? I don't think so, but there is still a little bit of it where if I would say to people, but have you yourself spoken about it? Have you spoken to your advisors about it if you're a principal of a firm? Have you had the conversation? Have you said it's okay, you can come and talk to me? Um, I understand this is a difficult time. And actually, surprisingly, you'll find probably fewer people than you might think have done that, just simply opened up. So firm I'm talking to about the two principals there really had done it some of the larger firms are sometimes I think have not done it um, sometimes I think as well that it, it can be uneasy like how do I open up about it how do I talk about it um, well I'd say first of all have you had experience of it yes or no if you have talk about your experience so if you haven't had personal experience i.e. hasn't affected you everybody knows somebody who it has affected talk about that talk about that just that people can come and and speak to you about it and we'll figure it out together and that simple conversation makes such a difference and people want to help i believe actually i believe in people and i believe people want to help people sometimes they just don't know how to do it but they want to so simply by saying that to people I'm, I want to help. And I know there'll be those amongst you who are struggling. You can put your hand up. If you don't want to do it in this forum, you can come and speak to me personally. And I think that's, you know, something that all of us can do. Sure. And I, I think you're, you're totally right there in, in the fact that a lot of people are. They want to help but don't know how. Um, so I think that's a good sort of tip to say either if you've had an experience, talk about it, or if you know someone, talk about that, you know, and even if you have had experience, but you don't feel ready to open up or talk about it, or you haven't perhaps worked through it yourself, you don't have to, like you said, you can talk more generically or, or talk about a friend who who has sort of been through it and is happy for you to discuss it. Um, because I think ultimately that's where this conversation starts is from our own experiences. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that you obviously exhibited that when you when you um, posted that video talking talking about your own. I mean, what as an individual, um, what have you found has helped you on your sort of personal journey? And, and now, what do you do to sort of curb stress? 
that'd be mm. a good to get from you as sort of in the mm. position that you are, some sort of personal experience. Well, I still feel it. I, it's not as though you know, I would say, um, oh my goodness, that's great, that's all in the past now. A lot of, you know, you're, I, we're all a part of all we have met. So whatever has happened to us has affected us and, and made us who we are. So it's not that that has necessarily changed for me. I speak about it now. I'm open about it now. I speak to somebody twice, once every two weeks. I see a therapist once every two, two weeks. I've done that for a long time now. It just ke- keeps me a bit grounded. Um, you know, I would encourage others who, and you think, well, what will I sometimes, at the very beginning when I started doing that, I thought, well, what will I speak about? It doesn't matter. You know, you're, you're, in a way, your body tells you whether you're, you, you're feeling that stress, that anxiety, um, and it can help. It can just keep you keep you grounded. That's one of the things that I do. And the other thing, as I said, I simply open up about it. Um, I support it. I talk about it. It's cathartic to talk about it. Um, and when someone said to me a while ago in an interview, like this actually would be, but I think not quite as informed interviewer, <laughs> that, well, you know, Oh, you city guys, you're, you know, you're paid well and, you know, you're competitive and you're talking about all this touchy-feely stuff. And, and I said, well, you know, I think actually, he said, shouldn't you just compete? And, you know, I said, think about the most successful teams that you've either been a part of in your life uh, or have watched or admired. They're all supportive teams. There's no team that wins where they're all at each other's throats or that they don't care about each other. The best teams in any walk of life are supportive teams. And they get to know each other and understand each other. And I think that's, that's really important. So, um, you know, I think, you know, as I say, opening up about it, realising that the people who in our industry, and there are a lot of them, including me, as I say, but the people in our industry who have, who have suffered mental health issues and suffer still, and yet still succeed... These are not these are not the broken people. These are the bowed heroes, you know. And every day they get up and they do it. They do what they have to do, and they support their families. They support their companies. They support their their uh, fellow um, employ their colleagues. Um, a lot of them support the communities, and yet they still suffer. And they haven't opened up yet about it. And if they haven't opened up, I would challenge. Um, chief executives like myself to say why is that is it because they feel they can't be interesting to ask you as well because i mean that's interesting that they had that kind of approach to the question of oh well you know you earn a top dollar and you know you're in these you know cushy jobs you know you've got cushy lifestyle why would you suffer from mental health which is a really really silly way to look at it because everyone's an individual no matter their situation and, and money doesn't affect mental health necessarily mm. um whilst it can be a cause, it doesn't have to be the only cause. No. Um, and you, you could still have a lot of it and have lots of mental health issues. But do you think that's maybe one of the reasons why, because I think that just even looking just generally and anecdotally, the financial services sector has been probably one of the, the worst sectors or in terms of the timing to kind of get mental health more at the forefront of the discussion. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the industries that's it's taken a lot longer because perhaps of these 
you know, assumptions that people, you know, are earning a lot and they should just sort of put up and shut up because mm-hmm. their, their salary is enough that they that's what they should do. Um, do you think perhaps that's one of the reasons why some companies are, are scared to broach the topic because they don't know what will what will happen? You know, will will performance go down? You mm. know, because I guess finance is, is very, very much focused on financial performance. So maybe there's a worry from some bosses that, that to talk about it is to to impact performance in a negative way. Like, what, What's your outlook on that? I, th- I think there is some of that. I actually do think there is some of that, which is complete tosh. Obviously, but I think there there is some of that. Um, the city, I mean, it has been in the past, and to a certain extent, still quite a testosterone fueled environment. Um, I think that is changing with the new generation of leaders um, in the city, but it's taken time to change. And I think there has been this sort of certainly when I joined the city, there was more of a dog eat dog culture in the city. There was the things we're talking about now, I you know, never felt I could talk about at the time. So I think it is changing. It has changed. Um, but it's got, I mean, it's got further to go. And um, I think those who still feel that maybe I can't do this, maybe it'll impact, employ, uh, um, Im- impact performance or you know, maybe um, sickness levels might go up. Let me, let me tell you, sickness levels go down when you talk about this stuff. They don't go up, they go down. Because... You can either take one of two views. You can take a view that people need to be managed and, you know, if, they, if they're not held to account, they won't try, they won't add value. Or you can take the view that people come to work to make a difference. Um, they want to be heard. They want to be valued. They want to know that their contribution is seen, but they want to make a difference. And um, if you take that view, which has been my experience all throughout my career, um, then you won't be taking the view that you can't talk about this stuff. You'll take the opposite view. And I, yeah, and it, and it depends how, how you measure performance. And if you if you measure it very dogmatically on one metric, then mm. you know mm. you are going to have a different view as an organisation mm. to, to an organisation that takes a more holistic view of performance. But I mean, what what would be some of your kind of closing remarks in terms of some of the things you've seen happen at your firm since you opened up more, and and mm. what sort of your final message would be to Well, I tell you, there's the old cliche, isn't there? Don't take it personally. And I would say, take it personally. This is something that you have to take personally. And as leaders across the city, we have to take this personally. We can't delegate it to our HR departments, tell people what what targets we expect and do nothing ourselves about it. We have to take it personally. And we have to step, step in and step up and show that we are doing our bit and we're talking about it and making sure that our people can come to us. Because if your people aren't coming to you personally, personally, I don't mean coming to your managers, your executives, but if they're not coming to you personally, you're not stepping up. Thanks, Paul. I think that was a very, very good last message to end on. And and thank you so much for, for coming today to, to discuss this. I think it's a really important topic that we as an industry need to discuss more. So please keep doing what you're doing. It sounds brilliant. Um, and yeah, well, we hope, listeners, um, you enjoyed that. And um, please come back for, for more podcasts. Um, we put them out every week. So, um, But yeah, thank you. You've been listening to, to Ruby Hinchliff and Paul Feeney at Quilter. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.